Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts, and this is a podcast about entrepreneurs and real estate professionals who are on their way to financial freedom. And what we do is we get really great people to come on this show and we get to interview them and find out their story. Because honestly, that's what I like. I love a beginning, a middle, and an end. I love a little bit of struggle, and I love a triumphant finish. And what we do is we dive into those stories and we get to see where people have come from and where people are going. And that's exactly what we're going to do in today's episode. Today we have a great guy named Chris Peshek who graced us with his time on this podcast. He is a real estate professional in the Austin area. He primarily works out of Dripping Springs, which is a beautiful town just south of Austin. Some people call it the gateway to the hill country. Chris didn't always want to work in real estate. He actually was a high school football coach for a long time. And what he realized is that he was more valuable than the time and effort that he was putting into his first career. He decided to switch careers when he was 37 years old and didn't look back. He's enjoying every single minute of it, and we enjoyed hearing his story. This is a great episode of the podcast, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Stick around to the end. This podcast is provided by Tree Homes Property Management. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, whether it's one episode or half an episode, you've probably figured out that Matt, my co-host, owns this company, Tree Homes Property Management, and I am his marketing director for that company. And what we do is we help real estate investors and homeowners with their full-service property management. So that includes finding renters. That includes collecting rent and depositing it into your bank account. That includes full maintenance on all of your properties, making sure they're up to code, making sure that you're getting the most out of your investment. So that's what we do. We love it. We fully believe in everything that we do. And, you know, our mission here is really just to provide homeowners and renters a world-class property management service. And, you know, our vision is to create and facilitate opportunities for financial freedom. Like, that's the goal with our company, and that's why we created this podcast. If you guys have any questions about our company or what we do, feel free to look us up online. Our website is www.trehomes.com. That's tree with one E, homes.com. If you're thinking about getting invested in real estate or have some properties that you already own, we are happy to help in any way that we can, whether that's just hopping on a phone call or corresponding through email with some free advice. Just let us know. We're happy to be your go-to guys. Um, and we're, we're now live. we're now live. Yeah. Morning. Uh, morning, everybody. Welcome to the Young Wild Financially Free Podcast. Uh, Andrew Roberts here with my co-host Matt Tyfke. Good morning, everybody. And we are here today with a new guest that we are excited to interview, Mr. Chris Peshik. And I almost said Chris like Chris. Because the last name got me all mixed up. Um, but Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so we are, um, like I said, very excited to interview you. You are a successful um, businessman in the real estate industry. And so we want to dive into your story on you know how you got where you are today and um, really what brought you um, to this level of success within the real estate industry. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, just giving us like a two to three minute elevator pitch or, you know, summary on your life and your story. 
Gotcha. All right. Well, first of all, glad to be here. Thank you all for having me. Um, I am a, uh, I'm a realtor now in Dripping Springs. That's where I focus. Grew up in Shiner, Texas, small town kid, which is why oh. I ended up getting from, uh, from Austin back out to Dripping Springs. The story is, is a looping one, and we'll, we'll probably get to a lot of that. But I'll just kind of cut to how I got into real estate. Growing up, I was a part of a construction crew, built houses in college. Uh, I did that as well and ended up going into teaching and coaching. Did that for about 12 years of my life and then ended up realizing that wasn't where I was going to spend the rest, of, uh, the rest of my days. And so falling back on things that I felt comfortable with, which was construction. And the easiest way to get started in that was real estate. So I've been doing real estate since 2011. So coming up on uh, actually be going on eight years this year. So Wow. That's awesome. Um, and so where did you go to college? Texas A&M. Fighting Texas Aggie class of 97. Gig em, baby. <laughs> I have mixed feelings on, on that just because I'm uh, you know, born and raised in Austin. And so like many Austinites who didn't go to UT, I was a UT fan growing up. Um, and then, but I have older siblings who went to UT, but then I married into a family full of Aggies. So now I'm a, I'm a person divided. I'm not a house divided. I'm a person divided. Um, but anyways, um, so what did you get your degree in at a and <laughs> I ended up with a degree in kinesiology, which is fancy for coaching. Yeah, I, have, <laughs> I, I got my degree uh, in kinesiology from Texas State University. Nice. And my goal was to um, be a manager of a pro sports team. Didn't work out. Sports management was your focus then? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I minored in uh, business admin. The Cowboys um, could probably use you right now. I, that was the goal. <laughs> that was the goal. Yeah, they didn't call though, which is a bummer. Um, so was that your goal with um, your degree? Was like when you were in high school going into college, did you think, man, I, I wanted to coach? Did you play sports? Uh, I did. I, I was, I've been in sports forever. Okay. Um, no, what wasn't my goal at all. I didn't start college in coaching. I actually started out um, in aerospace engineering. And, yeah, upper-level math and the Dixie Chicken did not get along very well. <laughs> so I needed to change my focus. And like I said, I had built houses, helped build houses and all of that. And so I ended up going from aerospace engineering into construction science. Okay. And so I studied architecture construction science for about a year. And actually just decided that I didn't want to spend that much time in an office. Okay. And at that point, I'd been in college for a little over two years. And if I was going to switch degrees again, it was going to be time to just get out. And so the other thing that I had always known was sports. So went into coaching. Gotcha. And so that's, cool. that's where I ended up. So I was actually, I was class of 97. Victory laps, I graduated in 99 with oh, 100 wow. and 177 hours, which these days will get you a master's. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, so, uh, you know, switching your degrees and then going into coaching, um, then what brought you to Austin? So when I student taught, I mm -hmm. had, you know, choices of where you wanted to go. They had schools set up, well, from College Station, it was at places within about a two-hour radius, and I didn't want to go to Houston. Um, so a buddy of mine and I were, you know, kind of like, hey, let's go student teach in Austin because 6th Street and everything else and parties. Right, so I, yeah. I student taught in Austin in the spring of 99 and ended up getting a job at, a, at Anderson High School, actually, right up the road here. Oh, cool. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and then um, how long did you work there? 
I was at Anderson, so I student taught in spring of 99. I got a job there and actually only taught there for a year. Okay. Coincidentally, that's where I met my wife. Um, and by the way, don't feel bad. My wife grew up in Austin, yeah. ended up going to UT, got her undergrad from UT. Oh, wow. Uh, but then married me and now has been fully converted. Uh, oh, cool. To an Aggie. And now <laughs> oh, yeah. has her, she has her <laughs> master's from AM. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, she's a traitor. It's okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, but anyway, so I spent about a, about a year and a half at Anderson and then followed my old high school coach down to South Texas for a couple of years and then dated my wife long, uh, long distance for two years and then got married in 02, moved back up here when we got married. Gotcha. Cool. And did you um, enjoy coaching? I did. What was, like, what was it that like, attracted you to that profession and what did you enjoy the most about it? It really was all about the kids, um, yeah. and and that was that was the thing that got me going in coaching was being able to take kids and not only teach them about athletics and and lifting and things like that, but kind of just about life, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that's what always stuck out to me about my football was, um, you know, in high school and growing up was just the life lessons that it taught, and I wanted to be a part of that for for other kids. That's so. awesome. That's great. Yeah, Matt and I are both um, athletes, and um, you know, I uh, played. I didn't mean to laugh. I thought. It... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's embarrassing. I don't know. I don't. We guess we don't look like athletes. Um, well, so Matt played baseball um, in high school, and I played football in high school. And um, I mean, I know I can speak for myself when I love all the life lessons that I learned from football, and you know those relationships that I had with my coaches and and things like that. So. Um, all that to say is that, like that's that's great. I completely, um, I guess, you know, love that. that. That was what you loved about about coaching. Yeah, and that's one of the, the coolest things about now. You know, I've been out of teaching and coaching for uh, about a little over six years now, mm -hmm. and I still have relationships with kids that I taught and coached. I mean, it's I've actually sold three, four houses to former students of, and players. Of oh mine. wow, that's really so cool. you know, staying in contact with with those type of people and and kind of seeing, you know, where they started as freshmen in high school and where they are now at 27, 28, 29 years old is it's pretty cool. Yeah. Andrew uh, doesn't like to bring this up, but he was the uh, starting linebacker for varsity at Round Rock High School. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's well, – I feel like Matt always brings that up because I I'm so it. small. I'm so small. No, I, I just think that's super cool, man. I, oh, I nice. it. Like, I mean, I got to see how hard you worked at it through middle school and – because yeah. you worked really hard and you were back up for a couple of years, right? Yeah. Freshman and sophomore, and then. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was I went really into, respectable. I played a, This is just a side story. I'll just go ahead and, you know, take over this podcast about me. <laughs> but um, I started off uh, playing football in eighth grade. Um, I hadn't played Pop Warner, and I didn't know. All I knew is someone threw a ball and someone caught a ball. And I started playing because I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be. To make friends. Nice. Got into it for the wrong reason. Ended up loving football, loving the hard work, and like I said, all the principles that I learned. And like I said, those relationships with the coaches. And um, like Matt said, uh, varsity, my senior year, I ended up starting, and I loved it. So it was great. Well, I don't know if we ever actually played. I mean, we used to play Round Rock when I was at Bowie. Yeah. And it is one thing that I remember is that Round Rock's defenses were always some of the hardest hitting defenses we ever faced. Yeah. So it was, yeah. That's right. So, yeah, if you started at linebacker for Round Rock, you did something. So That's what I'm saying. I'd like to bring it up. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Okay, let's, enough about me. Let's get back to you. Um, so 
Well, now you're not a coach. So what was it that uh, led you to leave that profession? Um, what was it? Was it that you saw opportunity in the real estate industry, or is it that you were not enjoying coaching anymore? It, it's not that I wasn't enjoying, but it it, it got to where it burned me out. Um, and, and this is funny now that I'm in real estate, but we can kind of get into this later. But 70, 80 hour weeks and, you know, not being able to do some of the things I enjoy uh, just kind of wore on me. Mm-hmm. And so after a while, it just, it, it was time to get out. Gotcha. Cool. Was, was that a stressful job or just a lot of hours? I, I, I guess yes that's and a, no. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I, that's a kind of a weird question. But I, I mean, like, the did it wear on you or were you just like just so overwhelmed by because you were doing it all the time both yeah. uh and, and the, so what people don't understand about about coaches is you know even though we get a bad reputation we actually do want to do a good job in the classroom as well yeah and so when you're you know when you're out on the football field until seven at night and then you're in the office and then you know you come in at you know and this is during the season but you know, Thursday night you've got games, you're getting home at 10. Friday night you got games, you're usually getting home at midnight. Saturday you go up in the morning at 7 o'clock and, and you don't get home until 5. And then Sunday you go up for, you know, five or six hours on Sunday. And then you've got to take care of your business in the classroom and, and make sure that you're getting uh, papers graded and, and lesson plans and things like that. So, yes, completely overwhelming and stressful just from a sheer volume of work standpoint. Right. Um, so uh, if that answers the no, question. No, that makes – I guess that was a better – I should ask it like that. Is like because you're, you're coaching and you're loving that, but then the school, I mean, yeah, right. you're focused you on it, but both. that's something you have to do. Right. And that can be on top of that overwhelming. That's a, absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. And so switching to you know the real estate industry, you a lot of people work you know that many hours as well. But I would say right. that the difference between the two is that like um, coaching and teaching is a very selfless and unopportunistic <laughs> uh, career path. You know, it's um, even like you know say like coaching. Um, you know, the next goal would be to coach college. Right. That's more hours exactly. and more commitment. And for usually less pay. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. um, and it's not like high school coaches get paid a whole lot. <laughs> right, right. So um, if I would be right with assuming that um, whenever entering the real estate industry, it's not that you were afraid of, uh, not that you didn't want to work the long hours or put in the right. work. I can tell you that, you know, you being a former athlete and a coach, you know, you're not shy to hard work. But having that um, that opportunity for growth um, and more success was what kind of drew you to that, you think? Well, yes, partially. Um, and and I'll, I'll kind of fast forward ahead a little bit in, in how I how I manage my real estate. When I got into it, I knew that I didn't want to put in the 70 and 80 hour weeks anymore. Uh, again, that was one of the reasons I got out of coaching and I knew it was something that I didn't want to do in real estate. But I was, man, I was blessed enough to find a broker when I first came out who was all about time management and not spending 70 and 80 hours a week doing that. So, yeah, the the work was there. The work ethic was there. But I, I have a very, very strong belief that if I can't get it done in 50 or 55 hours a week, then I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So good point. Yeah. I got a question for you. We have a lot of people that are looking at getting into real estate. Mm-hmm. So when when you get your license, can you walk us through when you were interviewing brokers and where your mind was and you know how many people you talked to and stuff like that before you signed up with the broker you're talking about? Uh, yeah. Um, 
I've got to think back a little bit. I think I sat down with, and as you're going through, I did my, I did all of my classes with Austin Institute of Real Estate, which were in the classroom. Um, I could have done them online. It's not something I wanted to do. Just the type of student I am, I, I can't do it online. I get too distracted and, and you know, looking at squirrels and birds and everything else. So I had to actually be in that classroom setting. Um, so as you're going through in-person classes, a lot of brokers and, and agents with brokerages are coming in and kind of giving you their spiel as you're going through. So, you know, I, I definitely saw a lot of brokerages that I did not want to work with that way. And being from a small town, I didn't want to be a part of a large house. So that was kind of my focus going going into looking for my realtor, I mean, uh, my broker. The When I actually started sitting down, I think I sat down with three and interviewed them and just kind of really just listened. And it wasn't... For me, it wasn't about splits. It was more about finding a place um, where I just had a common set of beliefs with a broker. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really where my path took me. And like I said, coming out of coaching, I didn't want to do those 70 and 80 hour weeks. So when I finally ended up with uh, my, my broker's name was Tony, uh, Tony G, Tony Garrett, who's not in the not in the business anymore. He's kind of more on y'all side of everything where, where he's just looking for opportunities for real estate investment. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I finally decided on him, it was really more because he and I shared a belief in how, how business needed to be done and that you don't, you know, you don't need to be going all the time because if you are going 70 and 80 hours a week as a young agent, you're going to end up burning out. And in, you know, two years, you're going to, you're going to be out. And I, I think the, the NAR statistics show that, is it something like 70% of agents don't make it past year three? Wow. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong on I the number, it. but it's a it's huge tough. amount. Sure. Don't make it out because they think they've got to run 70, 80 hours a week to make a business work. Mm-hmm. And the fact is you just don't. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's cool. So just quickly about how I started, it was, it was interesting because I was 18 years old and got my license and I, I set up like five interviews one day. And I was, you know, super excited. I was all dressed up, suit and tie and everything. And the first brokerage I went into, um, I just took that job because I was so happy. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how it worked. I didn't realize that, you know, most brokers want agents. They so offered you a job. And he's like, like, man, they want me. Yeah. He said, we'd love to have you. Let's do it. I was like, okay. So I can't, I canceled with Keller Williams and Coldwell and all them and oh, just was with the local guy. But similar to you is I, I felt like a really good feel there. Just felt like this would be a really good place to learn. And that was what was most important to me at the time. Yeah. Um, and I can also say that, like, um, it sounds like because um, your relationship with this broker right. uh, was what kind of sold you on it. Right. And so that goes back to, um, you know, what you loved about football. Absolutely. Um, is, you know, building those relationships with you know the students with the the players and then also you know your fellow coaches um and that's something that is huge within the real estate industry i think feel like the real estate industry is known for but i feel like it's huge in in any industry is building those relationships with people um and that's what really i feel like brings success to anybody without a doubt and you keep, if, if, if anybody listens to real estate podcasts or, or watch, you know, videos or, or talk, you know, read enough books, what real estate comes down to is people are going to do business with those they know, like, and trust yeah. every day of the week. If, if, I'm in a, if I'm in a situation where I'm trying to get a listing or a buyer, and if that buyer already knows me, they have a previous relationship with me, and there's other agents that are trying to get that buyer, but they don't, they're going to go with me every day. Not necessarily because I'm the best agent. 
uh, because I've gotten buyers and listings over agents that have way more experience than me um, mm. and, and have seen more more situations than I have. And I've also been on the other side of it where it would be a new agent and the seller just flat out told me, hey, I'm going to go with so-and-so because I've known them since they were 14 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's not necessarily that they know more or that you know, they're good at their job. It's just that relationship that's built and they know them, they like them, and they trust them. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Um, not to uh, keep hashing on uh, the whole leaving football thing, but <laughs> oh, <that's fine. laughs> um, so uh, if you don't mind me asking, what uh, age were you whenever you decided to switch careers? I do mind you asking. Oh, no, okay. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm 44 now, and that was eight years ago, so 36. Okay. Cool. I told you the chicken and math didn't go. Sure. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You only knew dominoes at the chicken. That's right. That's right. Um, so uh, the reason why I ask is because um, a lot of people these days, particularly our age, are Matt and I are both 27, are unhappy with whatever they're doing. And I know that I have fallen guilty to thinking like it's too late to start over. Um, even two years after, I don't want to start over now. Matt looked at me all weird. Um, no, so uh, two years after I graduated college, I was working in a career um, that I wasn't particularly happy with. I was living in Houston, and I thought, I'm too old now to start over, you know. And um, to see that you, um, you know, switch careers at that age um, is huge. You what, know? Are you saying that's old? No, 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 I'm saying it's never, oh my gosh, great. All right, well, I'm going to leave you guys, I'll see you later. Um, no, my point is that, you know, it's never too late. Exactly. And, um, you know, we'll dive into this on my next question of, you know, where you're at now, but um, that you are successful yes. and that you are enjoying what you're doing. Um, and you spent all, you know, all those years coaching, doing one career, and now you're doing something, you know, totally different, really, and you're loving it and you're enjoying it. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it being too late, I mean, it, it, that's just a, it's a state of mind for you. Sure. I mean, it, it's the way I see it is, you know, you have that, that struggle with, uh, with what you're telling self yourself in your head yeah. and <laughs> the advice is don't listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was terrifying that kind of going along with the, with the financially free part of this. Uh, one thing that a lot of people don't know when I, when I made that leap is I stayed in teaching for a year and I was doing real estate part-time. Okay. And the, the promise I made to my wife is I've, I'm going to, before I leave teaching, I'm gonna put a year's teaching salary in the bank. And that way when I get into real estate or when I get full-time into real estate, if there's lean months or whatever, we still have that money we can pull from mm-hmm. and we don't have to worry about it. And now eight years later, that money has only grown because we've never had to touch it. Sure. Um, you know, so it, it, was a, it was a part of setting, you know, setting up for you know setting up for failure but not expecting to fail i guess is the best way to say it yeah definitely i would say that like you know making that career switch was a a risk but a calculated risk absolutely which is kind of the same principle that we apply to investing in real estate as well i I love that uh and also about the perception man i mean you know gary v is always talking about people 60 years old and they're like you've got 30 40 years to go do something totally new and then there's a lot you can accomplish so it's never too late, and, and we meet people all the time that are, uh, you know, we're talking to them now that are in that spot where they want to get into real estate, 
but they have a job and and that's that balance and so sometimes you got to take the risk but i love how you put it is take the risk but be calculated where oh, you got to realize it's going to take six months to a year right to start making some money in this business and and maybe even longer mm-hmm. but you're playing the long game right oh absolutely yeah it's it's all about the long game um and that's really what what i'm doing now looking forward i mean i've been in the industry eight years and i'm i'm still making plans for you know six months three years five years down the road you know planning on the long game if if you're if everything you're doing in real estate is about the next transaction my opinion is you're going to fail sooner than later you you can't be worried about the next transaction you've got to be worried about what's coming down the road and the transactions are going to come you just have to set yourself up for success in it Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Very cool. Um, well, let's fast forward to today uh, and uh, tell us what you're doing um, in real estate, the deals you're working on, and um, kind of how you're involved right now. So I, I right now I'm doing my business in Dripping Springs. Um, I work for a brokerage called Jackson Properties. Um, he's been in southwest Austin for over 30 years, So, but it's a, it's a very boutique firm. He and I are the only... Uh, agents that actually use the office. There's two other agents in Austin, but you know, again, it's it's very small. Um, I am rebranding because I live out between Austin and Dripping Springs now with my wife. Um, I'm rebranding as Dripping Springs Home Team, and that's a part of that that long game. I see where the growth is going with Dripping Springs, so you know, getting getting ingrained in that right now is is in my opinion the best thing I can do going forward. Um, working buyers, working sellers, just like everybody else. Um, don't, uh, and this might be important for younger agents, I, I don't buy leads and I've never bought leads. It's just not something I, I personally think is important. Uh, and that was, again, the first broker I had and now the broker I'm with now. It's just not something that was ever really talked about. You know, you, you take the hunter mentality, you go out, you hunt, you kill, you eat what you kill. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of being self-sustaining. In that manner, um, and you know, with Dripping Springs being a rural area, farm and ranch, and custom home construction is something I do as well. So, very cool. Yeah, I was gonna kind of ask you because you know, some people that are listening might not know about Dripping Springs. Uh, everyone here in Austin pretty much does, and it's a, it's a cool, it's a special place. Uh, like, can you kind of tell us a little bit, like, what you really like about Dripping Springs, and you know, what makes it a little bit different than Austin proper, maybe? Well. Um, Growing up in Shiner, which again is a small town, I Dripping Springs still has a, a small town feel. Yep. Um, you know, you, you go in and it's got a main stoplight right in the middle of town, which is what, it, well, when I grew up, it was a, a blinking light in Shiner. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, there's just that one one cross section. The The community has a, a real serious community feel. Like people people are a part of the community. I'm, I'm getting pretty involved with the Chamber of Commerce right now. And it's the Chamber of Commerce is made up of business people, but they're business people that live in Dripping Springs. They want to see Dripping Springs succeed. Dripping Springs has amazing schools, um, a lot of outdoor space, and, and it's just beautiful. It's the gateway to the hill country. So, you know, when you get out there, that's when the hills really start to roll and you get huge views and, and things like that. So, I mean, that, that's Dripping Springs in a nutshell. Great schools, great people. Um, a, a lot of a lot of alcohol um, <laughs> breweries and wineries yeah, and distilleries. In yeah, fact, it's a I fun live, place. I live um, less than three miles to one, two, three, four breweries now. Four soon to be six distilleries, and I don't know how many wine places. Wow. Um, so yeah, just 
alcohol all around. Wow. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of money out there. And, Absolutely. Um, what I know from the commercial real estate side is that there are so many retailers, restaurants that want to be there, but it's, it's a hard market to get into because a lot of people own land, a lot of land, and they're not selling. And so... Correct. Yeah, everyone wants to be there, and it's just hard. It's a good, it's a good little space if you can get plugged in there. So it's it, pretty it cool. Is. And, and you know that that uh, commercial side as well as the home buying side. You're, you're right. It, it's hard. It's expensive to get in. Yeah. Um, you know, there there's new commercial space opening up slowly. It's getting built, and same with the housing. Um, you're you're just not going to walk in there and and buy a house for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know. So yeah, the the money that it takes to get out there is is a hurdle at this point for for a lot of people. So do you think that um, because uh, the price points are a little bit higher, um, you're doing you know or able maybe able to do fewer deals than some of these realtors that are in Austin that are you know selling and buying houses for a, a smaller price point yeah absolutely and, and it's not it's not even just the price point but it is my average deal right now is about three hundred and fifty thousand. okay um, which I, I think is significantly higher than, than a lot of people but also significantly lower than a lot of people but anyway um, so yeah the you know normal deal being or average deal being that high I don't have to do as many deals sure um, there are plenty of deals to go around out there, but you know, again, going back to the point that I don't want to work 70 and 80 hours a week, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't have to do 50 deals a year in order to have a successful year. Um, and also because of, you know, the brokerage and, and not buying the leads, I get to keep a lot much, uh, a lot more of the money that I make mm-hmm. as opposed to giving it out for office fees and this fee and, and, you know, paying for leads and things like that. So, sure. So with our property management uh, focus, we work with a ton of investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say if, if I were to say, hey, I'm, I'm trying to find a rental property in Dripping Springs uh, to purchase? I mean, t- to me, from a high level view, it seems like that doesn't really exist. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, uh, but it seems like that would be a major challenge to go buy something with 20% down that could cash flow in Dripping Springs. Cash flow is tough. Right. Uh, very, very tough. Um, there, there's a huge need for rental property in Dripping Springs. A huge need because, again, it's hard to cash flow and investors are, are staying away from it. Um, you know, you, in my opinion, if you're going to buy it, you're going to be able to lease property. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, you, you can, if you can find a cheaper piece of property and build, you know, multiple doors on it, that, that's a way to get around it. I, I know some people who have done that. Um, you know, an equity play is going to be pretty good. There's there's yeah. new neighborhoods opening up all the time. So, you know, if you can get in at the beginning of one of those neighborhoods, you know, beat them down on price a little bit before anybody else knows the neighborhood is there, That that's a pretty good play and keep it long-term, um, you know, or short-term rental is, is the other thing. That's, a, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, about. I was going to say, you know, you could rent those out on the weekend Without all the time, no problem. Yeah, you do. I mean, you got to pay attention because some of the neighborhoods don't, just like in Austin. Um, but with all, I mean, Dripping Springs, I didn't mention a while ago, it's the wedding capital of Texas or the world or something. I don't know. They paid for the designation, but wow. there's a ton of wedding venues out there, uh, all the wineries, distilleries, and breweries, and two hotels, soon to be three. Uh, but the sleep in on uh, 290 and Hayes Country Acres. That sleep in, and I think it's the comfort chain of hotels, uh-huh. but that sleep in in Dripping Springs, Texas, has the highest average per night rental of every hotel in that chain. Wow. So, and it was, this is two or three years ago, and it was over $180 a night on average. 
wow. because there's no there's no rooms. And so, yeah, short-term rentals now have become huge, and everybody that can put a casita in the back is putting a casita in the back. Yeah, yeah. So um, with that knowledge, are you either planning on or are capitalizing on that sort of investment? Uh, absolutely. My, my wife and I were, man, crazy. We were blessed enough to find three and a half acres back before that cost $200,000, mm-hmm. and so built our house, and we purchased the lot next door. We're in the process of going through uh, architectural planning, and... And the first one's going in, should be in by the summer. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And then the next one will get started shortly after that. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're putting in short-term, um, short-term rentals. Very cool. Um, does your background in construction from whenever you were growing up, does that play into any of this? Or is it a completely different game now? It, it's probably hindering me more than anything because in my mind, I feel like I can do it and I should do it and I should save the money. But with everything else I've got going on, wanting to do that then only makes it take longer. And uh, it, it's like with my house, everybody goes, well, you, you GC'd your house, right? No, I didn't GC my house because that 10 or 15% that it cost me, it just it wasn't worth my time mm-hmm. uh, that it would, you know, that it would have uh, taken me to oversee the project. So, it, you know, with, with age comes a little bit of logic and... The logic right now says just pay people to do the stuff that you don't have time to. I, I love that you bring that up because, you know, we sh- I struggle with that when I'm talking to people about property management. <laughs> and it's like, there's just a different level of thinking, you know, yes. when you realize that your time is more valuable than doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and on property management, I tell people, literally, it's a cup of coffee a day mm-hmm. to outsource your management. And if, you know, if, if that's worth, you know, worth it, do it. If you'd rather talk to tenants for 10, 15 hours a week, yeah. Have at it, but to me, it's like it can't be worth your time if you're doing important things to do that. For us, it makes sense because we can do it on a scale. Right. Um, but but it's just interesting, you know. You start realizing where your time's most valuable. Well, and and the in in my business, you know, I, I've done the calculations and all of that, and my time comes out, you know, depending on the year, somewhere between 125 and 175 dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. That's what my work time is worth. But again, going back to the fact that I didn't want to spend all my waking hours in real estate, the, the more important part of that is when I go home and I shut my phone off for the night, I want to spend time with my wife. Yeah. I want to sit on the back porch and drink a beer and watch the deer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is going. It a shiner? No, it is not a shiner. I am. <laughs> I am. Well, let me take it back. When I'm in shiner, when I'm with my dad, it's a shiner. Yeah. Um, when I'm with myself, it's. I'm a craft beer snob. I, I'm uh, sorry. Well, I'm imagine, there with you, man. 100%. I imagine living by all those breweries, that'll probably turn you. Well, Jester King. I am. I live. A mile and a quarter between, or right um, in the middle between Jester King and Last Stand. Now, Last Stand is my that those are my guys. I love their beer. I don't go to Jester King as much, but I can literally walk a mile and a quarter and be at either one of those. That's breweries. amazing. That's so um, cool. So it's it's a pretty good life, um, mm-hmm. and my my gut shows it. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, kind of going back into that, if somebody's got rental properties and they're trying to decide the management part, again, what do you, you know, what do you want to do when you get home at, at six, seven o'clock at night? Right. Do you want to spend time with your wife or your girlfriend or your kids or your friends? Or do you want to talk to, a, you know, somebody who's mad because they're, they're sink stripping? Right. I mean, that you can calculate your work hour pay. But afterwards, man, there's no way you can put a price on what that's worth. Right. Yeah. Good point. And there's a, a lot of people learn that lesson the hard way. Yeah, um, I you have. Know, 
I yeah, I I am guilty myself of uh, wanting to do things myself and you know save the buck and stuff like that. Um, but I also believe um, you know everything happens for a reason. So going back to your coaching on getting burnt out on all those hours is what kind of I, would you say? Would you credit that to um, I guess maybe giving you the realization that your time is valuable and that you didn't want to spend all those hours doing something? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, yes. I mean, that that's the reason I'm, I was out of coaching and it's the reason I, I handle real estate the way I do now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the hours, the hours are worth more than, you know, what you get in, in return for them. Sure. The, ones after, the ones after work. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. And, um, so, uh, I guess my next question is, uh, what is your long-term goal? with real estate because obviously you've been working as a you know uh, as an agent or a realtor um, in the industry for you know a couple years now um, now these two short-term rentals um, mm-hmm. that you guys are working on these are the first yes. um, are there many more to come <laughs> um, and like I mean obviously you know your time's important and your family is important to you um, so what does the future look like for you and what are your goals so long term it is not very long term. I'm 44. My plan is to be done with working by the time I'm 55. I've got 11 years <clears throat> that I need to be done. Yeah. Um, my wife's a teacher. She's going to be able to retire in about 10 years. So, and and we're way too active in terms of getting out and going and seeing stuff. So I don't I don't want to work until I'm 75. That's yeah. that is not the goal. Um, these first two rentals are going to be the start of it. Um, long term, the next one is going to be something in Colorado. Uh, we, we go to Colorado pretty much every year. We're going again this summer. And we want something that we can, when we are retired, that we can go stay for a month or two if we want. And then have somebody else pay for the mortgage, you know, the rest of the time. So it'll be uh, more than likely in a mountain town. We're going to short term rental it out. And if that one breaks even and we have residual income from the short terms and other things that we acquire here, uh, I don't I don't need the one in Colorado to do anything more than break even. I just want to be able to have a place to go and spend my summers when it's 100 degrees in Texas. Cool. Uh, I got a question for you. So I look at real estate personally as, as something I, I don't really look at it as work for, for me. Because I just really like it, and I, I'm young, so I you know I work all the time, uh, so it's a little different. Like I don't have goal of retiring in ten years, uh, but my my question was, like if, when you say you're going to retire, right? What if someone calls you and says, uh, you know, I want to buy a house, or you're looking at an investment, I imagine you'd still do it. And the reason I bring that up is I just feel like it's it's just kind of probably in you, and it's something that real estate you can always be doing stuff with it. You know, that's what I love about it. You can be investing in deals when you're 70 years old or, or, you know, maybe represent a buyer. Is that something that you would do or are you saying like shut it off completely? No, not. Yes, it would still it would still end up being that. What, what I'm meaning by retiring is, OK, when I've got the place in Colorado and I want to go spend two months, then I'm going to be there. And, and you know, if, if somebody calls me during that time, you know, just refer have the ability out. to refer yeah. it out. Uh, you know, obviously when I'm here still doing that work. Um, and it, you, you brought up a point that's, that's huge, and I want to, you had mentioned talking to, to new agents and, and things like that. And one of the things that my original broker told me over and over and over, and it's the same thing that my current broker told me or tells me over and over and over, and it's the reason that I ended up going with them as my broker. So this is the underlying reason to that question that you asked a while ago, is you can make a good living 
buying and selling real estate for other people. Mm-hmm. You're never going to become wealthy doing it. You're when you're in real estate, you make your money by seeing deals and being able to react to them and buying them for yourself. Dude, I love that because I I've been trying to talk to the, these guys I was telling you about that are on the ledge of job versus getting into real estate and I'm like telling them what I think they could make but I'm like that's that's not the real money. That it's just having the ability to get in the game is where it's really at because oh. then you find the real wealth and I don't see any other I mean there are industries but to me real estate is one of the best things for just creating wealth and there's there's just a roadmap like it's you're not really doing anything new but you just learn from other people and you just kind of take the right steps that's exactly right and you've got to pay attention because if you and I know a lot of agents that fall into this trap where they just again they're always looking for the short-term solution so they get lost in the weeds on a day-to-day basis and they're going from this deal to that deal to the next deal and you know it in in my opinion it comes from getting caught in that trap of having somebody else give you your leads because when you've got internet leads coming in or phone leads coming in and you're calling them and and, you know you're just you're caught in that cycle Mm. but when you're out doing what i think is real estate which is talking to guys like you and talking to other people and and trying to find ways to solve problems you're going to come across deals that you can take advantage of in that time you know and and it's not it's not that fast pace of knowing that man if i want to make money in this business i've got to do 40 deals a year i got to do 30 deals a year it's being able to slow down and know that you're you're eating what you kill and you can you can actually analyze those deals and if you're smart with your money you know how to leverage it and and you know you're a part of of a group that has hard money lenders and things like that like i know that you have um, you know, you can you can find those deals and you can act on them and, and actually kind of build that portfolio as you go, you know, especially if you're starting at 25, 27 years old. I mean, you get, like you said, you got time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got time to, to take advantage of that stuff fully. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I love it, man. That's awesome. Um, so just a couple questions left. Yeah. So for the investors that are, are listening right now, um, since we, Matt and I, uh, mainly have experience in long-term buy and hold rentals, now you're getting into these short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, could you give us a, a couple, I guess, general numbers on the, cause you're building. Right. So the cost to build and then how much you could potentially make, um, maybe on a yearly basis or whatever you think, because you know, with long-term, um, you know, we run numbers on, you know, being able to cash flow at least in Austin, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month while they appreciate. Um, but I've heard that, you know, these short-term rentals, you could make as much or more, uh, you know, depending on how much, I guess, how much, big, or uh, how often you can get people in there. Right. So what, what I'll do is give you a couple of, of scenarios of people that I know that have them. Since I don't have mine in place yet, uh, there's a contractor I know that stumbled into <laughs> a couple of deals. Again, if you're out there working, you, you stumble into deals. And he has a three-bedroom house in technically southeast Austin. Mm-hmm. I think it's about 1,100 square feet. Um, he is making, and this is gross numbers, he is making north of $4,000 a month, running it out short-term. Wow. Um, pe- people want to be in Austin. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and now, the, in, in my opinion, if I'm doing it, there's two things you got to focus on. One, what's around you. You know, is the neighborhood going to let you do short-term rental? Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell clients all the time. You know, they're like, "Well, will the HOA let me do this?" Or do... 
if you if you keep your neighbors happy, you're going to be fine. If you end up pissing your neighbors off, you know, I love that. It, I mean that that that's the end of the day. So. Um, you know, he's making great money on that house and actually what he's doing now is converting the garage into a second unit uh, and he's putting in a kitchen and a bath and all of that. So he's going to have, you know, he's going to have two doors on a single family uh, home. Um, so yeah, there you go on, on one house that he paid, I think 120,000 for and put about 40,000 in renovations in. Um, yeah, he's grossing north of $40,000 a year on it. Wow. Um, now, obviously not the case for everybody. Um, but that's just a, you know, there, there's another guy that owns, um, some land between, uh, it's between Austin and, and Buda. So that's not a very big area, but anyway, um, he's got a one bedroom that was purposely built, phenomenal finishes, beautiful little place. And he's running out for about $200 a night on average. And, you know, when, um, Formula One and all that stuff, uh, ACL, everything's going on. That number goes up a lot higher. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's grossing in the thirty thousand a year range, uh, just under thirty thousand a year, and that's on a single bedroom. So Amazing. that's awesome. Yeah. So a lot of potential for ton of potential to make a lot of money. <laughs> um, and so uh, the last question I have is, um, so being in the real estate industry, um, whether you're an agent or whether you're you know investing. Um, I would say you're an entrepreneur, right? So Absolutely. you're running your own business. And so what would your one piece of advice be to people who are starting off as entrepreneurs um, and or starting off uh, in investing? And I'm going to take it from a real estate perspective, run it like a business um, again. And, and I, I don't say this to step on anybody's toes because again, you can make good money in real estate if you're, you know, if you're beholden to somebody else for your business. But if you, if you're simply taking leads or taking things that other people give you, you're not running it like a business because if those leads ever go away, if Facebook changes their algorithm again, if Zillow changes what they're giving you, um, yeah, <laughs> your business is gone. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. run it like a business, That's set up great. a process that you're using to generate your own business. And again, entrepreneurial um, minded people are, should be the same way. You're not, and a buddy of mine that's a lender, and he, he was telling me this yesterday and it's stuck and, and I'm trying, I'm gonna make sure that I get it wrong actually is what I'm gonna do. Um, but essentially what the idea behind it was was when you're an entrepreneur, you're not selling things, you're not buying things. You you have to have a process that you can sell, and I think real estate's the same way. <clears throat> you know, you, the process is what sets you apart as a realtor, as you know, whether it's um, you know property management, whatever. Anybody can do my job. <clears throat> um, you know, you go and you get your license, and you know, if 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 all you do is is sign documents and trade documents back and forth. That's a that's a no brainer. Okay, mm -hmm. anybody can do that. But the people who are going to be successful, who are going to have longevity, have a process and a system that they mm -hmm. can, you know, that they can say, "Hey, look, this is what Rex Real Estate can't do for you. This is where my experience comes in. This is my system. This is my process, and this is why you're going to pay me to take care of this for you." Mm -hmm. and, and I I think that's you know the same whether it's real estate any entrepreneurial um, venture you just got to have a system and a process to, to be successful that's really wise uh, and I tell people the, the same thing when they're talking about self-managing mm -hmm. and I'm like if you do want to self-manage you have to understand 
you have to have a you have to run it like a business. Absolutely. Um, otherwise, it's going to be all over the place. Tenants are going to take advantage of you. So I 100% <laughs> agree with you. Well, um, that was um, great advice, um, and I appreciate it. Um, Chris, thank you so much for for being on the podcast. Man, thanks for having me. Of course, yeah, we really enjoyed it. Um, this was a, a really great episode, and um, I know that the listeners will enjoy it as well. Next time we'll have to do some beers. Yeah. We'll have beers next time. Yes. We'll come out to some of the breweries, yeah. Well, next time we'll do it on my back porch. And, All right. Uh, with beers. All that right. sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.